going to pick up on part two on John the Baptist and his baptism. And uh, we just started going verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark, and we'll see a lot of great things. Uh, it's the shortest gospel, but it is packed with great stuff. It's half the size of the Gospel of Luke, um, written for a wide audience. There's a, there's, Mark's not really, it's got some things that, that let you know it's in Israel and it's Jewish, but it's sort of general. John has got more things about Jewish feasts and things. Mark is just sort of, just get the gospel out. Uh, it's an action book. I mean, if you, if you could put, uh, uh, you know, uh, something in front of Mark, it would be, um, uh, it's, it's, it's the active book. Things are just happening verse by verse by verse. It's the synopsis, a brief synopsis life of Jesus, focusing on him as being a suffering servant. And it's a great introduction to the Christian faith, as we will see over time. Last week, we met John the Baptist. We learned that John was the forerunner of the Messiah. He was supposed to come, and he was supposed to announce the coming of the Messiah and prepare the people. He was a preacher. He demanded of his audience repentance. He did not say, just believe on Jesus. He said, you're not going to follow Jesus until you let go of your sin, and unless, until you cry out and you say, save me. And that comes from an attitude of repentance, which you change your attitude about your sin. Then there's a public, he actually required a public baptism to show repentance. People who got baptized were saying, I'm a sinner, and I need a Messiah, I need a Savior. He also told them to prepare for the remission of sins. Yes, it uses the terms, uh, believe, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. But that contradicts the every portion of Scripture that God has said throughout the Old Testament and the New, that is the blood that remits sin. It was the blood of the Lamb, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ that removes sin. Never does baptism do it. John is basically and very carefully saying, I'm preparing you for the remission of sins. That's all. Then he asked for a public confession of sin. Not that they stood there like a Catholic um, uh, before a priest trying to confess all of their sins, but it is the public confession of, I am a sinner. And if you can't say that you're lost, you cannot be found. If you cannot say, I'm a sinner, then you can never be made a saint because God only saves sinners. And so the Bible says, as we read it, look there in verse, um, uh, ooh, is it in this verse here? Verse 4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. I'm looking for, well, it's probably in Matthew where he says, and he required them to confess. Um, and um, uh, so he was actually saying that don't put on a show because at first, I guarantee you, it was very hard to go and to get down to that water and allow, allow John to, to immerse them and to publicly humiliate them. But when there are thousands of people queuing up to get baptized by John, it was easy for people to say, oh, I'll go. My grandmother... Um, told me about the day she got saved, and I hope that she did. But um, I remember years and years and years ago, just after I got saved, I was trying to get my grandmother to tell me, when did you get saved, Grandma? What, is, what do you think it means to be born again? She said, well, when she was 12 years old, she was in a Methodist church, and all of the youth group in one day all came forward, and they all decided to follow Jesus. I said, okay, 
Does that mean that you're saved, grandmother? And she couldn't answer. You see, if it was just one of them to come up and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, that's easy to say. Meaning, I believe that that person paid a high price to, to confess, I believe Jesus. But when all the youth group is going up, oh boy, you wonder, did some of them just go up because everybody else was going up? So John was requiring, are you a sinner? Do you know you're wicked? And they were all, and he was saying, bring fruit. Prove to me that you really have repented. He was really strong. And he got them, he told them, he says, I'm doing nothing, but there's coming somebody who you need to believe on. His name is the Messiah. So I want to say that John was the first baptizer. I told you this last week. He was the first baptizer. There's nobody baptizing before him. And uh, I ended with this thing that water baptism is not part of the gospel at all, at all, at all. As a matter of fact, last week I showed you there were three baptisms, and I finally got my chart filled up. The first baptism, and by the way, almost all scriptures about baptism fit in one of these three. Okay? Now, the first one was John's baptism, and it's called the baptism of repentance. And without going to the scriptures, it was water baptism. It pointed to the remission of sins that would come from the Messiah, because only the Messiah can remove sins. As a matter of fact, he said to a group of people, when, when some men had dropped down a, a, an invalid man through Peter's roof, Jesus said to the man, do you believe I can do this? They're all, he said, thy sins are forgiven thee. Right then and there, he, he, he removed the sins of that man who was crippled. And all the Pharisees said, who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus said, all right, which is harder, to forgive sins or to heal this man? So to prove that I can forgive him, I'm going to heal him. Rise up, take up your bed and walk. And at that moment, he stood up. And it proved that Jesus removes a sin. So water baptism of John was pointing to the remission of sins that would come from the Messiah. It was only for the Jews, and it prepared them for the Messiah. Go to Acts 13. I just want to show this because this will help you understand how John pointed forward to the Messiah. Acts 13, 24. And it says this, Paul preaching about John. He says, when John had first preached before his, before Christ's coming, the baptism of repentance to all the who? The people of Israel. That was it. Verse 25, and as John fulfilled his course, when he finished his mission, his ministry, he said, whom think ye that I am? Who do you think I am? I am not the Messiah. I'm not he. Behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. So John was not claiming any power. He was just pointing to someone more important. The second baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the, the baptism by the Holy Spirit of the believer into Jesus, the Messiah. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, For by one Spirit, it is a capital S on purpose, for by one Spirit are all, we are all baptized into one body, not into one church, but into one body, into the body of the Messiah. The Messiah has been placed in me, and I have been placed in the Messiah. It applies, it is a spiritual baptism of the Holy Spirit, it applies the remission of sin 
to the believer. It happens at the new birth, and it happens to every believer, whether you're Jew or Gentile. Then the third baptism, and that's the believer's baptism. That is Acts 19. Go to Acts chapter 19. And in Acts chapter 19, you'll see the third baptism. This, this baptism pictures the remission of sins that have already happened. It is a ceremony. Did we not just conduct a ceremony, yes or no, when we did the Lord's Supper? It is only a picture of his body, isn't it? It is only a picture of his blood, isn't it? So when it comes to now baptism, and somebody says, where's the picture? The picture is of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, how he remitted sin. It marks the public profession of faith and our decision to follow the life of Christ, and it is only for believers. I need you to go to Acts 19 and verse 4, and the Bible says this when Paul meets some people who had already been baptized by John, and he says, it's not good enough. Look at 19 verse 4, then said Paul, John verily, oh, so go to, sorry, verse 1, start off back there in verse 1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Okay, are they saved or lost? Well, let's look on. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, under what then were you baptized? And they said, unto whose baptism? So they've been baptized like John baptized. They only knew about John's preaching. They only knew about John's baptism. Verse 4, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him that should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, now they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus as believers. So were they baptized with John's baptism, yes or no? Yes. Did that wash away their sins? No. Because all John was doing was saying, there's somebody coming who will wash away your sins, and I'll show you that in just a moment. So let's now go into Mark chapter 1. Go back to Mark chapter 1. I want to point out, first of all, there are several facts we're going to have to establish. Number one, John's baptism was only water baptism. Mark chapter 1. You'll understand the use of my words here in just a moment. Look at verse 7. Mark chapter 1 and verse 7 says, And John preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Verse 8. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he that shall come shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So guess what? Am I right in saying there are at least two baptisms? Okay. That's, all of a sudden your eyes are being opened. There's more than one baptism. Thank you. Let's keep going. So the baptism that John is talking, that, that John is talking about says... He calls it the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is salvation. It is infinitely more important than water baptism. Go to Acts chapter 1. Hold your place here in Mark. Well, we'll go to John next after this. So go to Acts chapter 1 in verse 5. Acts chapter 1 in verse 5.
This is Jesus, and he says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be, what's the next word? Baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So baptism was infinitely more, uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost was infinitely more important than baptism in water. As a matter of fact, water baptism is and always has been almost worthless. Go to Matthew chapter 3. And I believe because there's so much confusion about baptism, more people are in hell because of believing in baptism instead of in Christ. Matthew chapter 3, and I'm dead serious, it is grieving that baptism gets introduced into the gospel when it is only Christ uh, and his cross. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 says, this is John preaching, and he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Not unto salvation, by the way. But anyway, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. Now watch these words. He says two things. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So you tell me, was John promoting his baptism, saying, my baptism's very important? Did he say that at all? He said, I tried to get you to repent. I've tried to humble you. I have tried to break you and make you ready for the Messiah because his baptism is the one that you need. Secondly, you do, um, uh, I was going to say, Water baptism is valuable mainly as a step of obedience as a believer. It is not a way to become a believer. Let's go to John chapter 4, the second fact we can establish, and that is, if baptism is important, why didn't Jesus baptize? Let's find John chapter 4. Because here's a fact, Jesus never baptized with water. John chapter 4 and verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, don't stop there, though Jesus himself baptized what? Not, but his disciples. Jesus never himself, and he's very particular why he never baptizes with water. Because Jesus only baptizes with two things. We already saw them. What are they? We already read it. He only baptizes with the Holy Ghost, and he only baptizes with fire. When Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, he's placing a believer into himself. It's called the new birth. It's called salvation, redemption. It's when our sins are remitted. But if he places somebody in fire, that's going to hell. You see, those are the only two things that Jesus ever baptizes with. He does not use water. Um, let's go to the third thing. Jesus' baptism, therefore, was better than John's and was spiritual, which means it's eternal. Water is temporary. Everything that can be done in this world, even the keeping of the law, is only temporary. It took, if you did try to keep all the law, what did God add to the law to make sure you could be forgiven? A lamb. And by the shedding of blood of a lamb, their sins were only atoned for a year. Did you ever notice that in the Old Testament? They had to bring another lamb the next year. And actually, Hebrews says, none of those sacrifices took away any sin. Did you ever notice that? It took Christ coming to pay off all of that debt. Third fact, 
Only the cross is the gospel. Full stop. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 17. <clears throat> All right, as I asked last week, I want to ask you again this week. Who was sent to baptize? John. There was a man sent from God named John. And he went and he was sent to baptize, wasn't he? Watch Paul. 1 Corinthians 1.17. For Christ sent me, what's the next word? Come on, say it loud. Not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Question, if I'm not supposed to baptize, but preach the gospel, does the gospel have baptism in it? No, it does not. Somebody want to tell me what is the gospel? It is the cross. Yes, exactly. We're going to go there because you need to know that. But the simple, the gospel is good news. It is good news that when we were headed for hell, someone paid the full debt payment for our sins. Remember the angels there at the announcement of the birth of Christ. They said, fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great news, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. What were the angels doing? They were saying there was good news. So what we need to do is we need to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as Tony knows exactly, 1 Corinthians 15 now, because how God saves sinners is found there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. I want you to see five undeniable truths in this scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the, say it with me, gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. What does a church have? We have a stand, which means we have doctrine we believe. We have expectations of how we live. That's how we stand. We just don't go with the flow of the world. We just don't go with what the modern interpretations are. We have a stand, and it says, that gospel is what we stand in. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, unless it was a flippant faith and you didn't really believe it. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Number 1, and that he was buried. Number 2, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Number three, and that he was seen as Cephas, and then of the twelve, he was proven that he was alive. Now, there are five undeniable truths in that scripture. Number one, Christ was qualified to save. It says right there, for I delivered unto you that Christ died. Why was Christ given that responsibility? Because only he could be our sacrifice. His perfect life for my sinful life. Don't you ever think that this sinful life of yours can do anything to become a Christian? It is Christ that makes a person a Christian. Second undeniable truth. It was Christ that was condemned, and he was not condemned as a sinner, but he was condemned as sin. He who knew no sin became sin. If I'm condemned, guess what? 
I'm condemned as a sinner. Can a sinner save themselves? Can a criminal get out of jail free? No. A criminal needs to bear the punishment for their crime. So a criminal can't just get out of jail. And no sinner can do anything to merit forgiveness. Christ was condemned. That's the fact. It says right there, Christ died. Third undeniable fact. Christ, when he died, he experienced death for how many people? For absolutely everyone. Listen to Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than all the angels for the suffering of death. So God was made a man so he could suffer death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. There are five undeniable truths about the gospel, and that is one, that only Christ is qualified to save. Not a, a priest can't save you, a pastor can't save you, you can't save you. Christ was condemned. A lot of people say, well, that's tragic. Well, that's too much. No, it had to be. Christ was condemned, according to the scriptures, as sin. He was punished as all of sin at one time. He experienced death for every person. Christ was completely buried Look at Isaiah 53. Hold your place here. Isaiah 53. And the Bible gives you the burial and says he was buried. Okay. Why was he buried? Isaiah 53. It was to show that there was no difference in his death than any other death. He was buried both with the wealthy and with the wicked. Look at Isaiah 53 and verse 9. And he, Jesus, made his grave, first of all, with the what kind of people? The wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his, uh, in his mouth. He was innocent, and yet he made his grave with, with, there was nobody, and not even he escaped the judgment of sin. His judgment was for sin itself. Fifth. That Christ came back to life again three days later as promised in the Scriptures. And you know what that is? That's the Gospel. Christ died, was buried, and rose again like He promised in the Scriptures. So let me ask you some questions. Alright, here's some serious questions. Number one, where's water in any of that? Tell me, do you see water in any of that place in the Scripture? Where are any good works at all that you could do to receive the benefit of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection? Are there any good works that, that can be done to receive the gospel and to receive the benefits of the gospel? Not at all. There are absolutely nothing. What do you think anybody, oh, is it by grace through faith? Or is it by, like I've heard recently, it is by your good works through obedience? You say, well, it's not, a good, it's not a work to get baptized. It most certainly is. If I have to do anything, if a thief on a cross can cry out to be saved, or if a man standing in a temple next to a Pharisee can cry out and have, say, have God have mercy on me to save me, if the Bible says that we are saved by grace through my faith, and my faith is a cry for God to save, that's it. But if I have to present myself, if I have to do something, if I have to wash, if I have to prepare, I'm doing a good work and I'm saying to the cross, it's not enough. 
Did you hear what I said? If I have to add anything to what Jesus did, if I had to add anything, then I'm saying the cross was not enough. So, is it by grace through faith or by works through obedience? It is by grace through faith. What does anyone have to do to enjoy the benefits of the gospel? Believe it. But I'm going to go backwards and say, you know what, anybody has, they have to hear it. That's not a work. It's work on the preacher. It takes you taking the gospel track. I have to work to get the gospel. They have to hear it or else they're not going to get saved. They need to receive it. They need to accept it as true, not to argue with it and fight with it, but they've got to accept it. And you know what? I like how 1 Corinthians says, do you even remember believing? And I have to ask you, if you don't remember being lost and then being found, if you don't remember God saving you, did you believe in vain? That's what Paul asks in 1 Corinthians, because the gospel works, then you believe it. And that's it. You just believe it. Now, Tony already knows the answer. Without looking at your Bible where you're at right now, where is the gospel defined? Is it defined in Mark chapter 1? Where is it found, Paul? 1 Corinthians 15. And it only, it has five. I gave you five points, so it's, you remember all seriousness of it. But it's basically three points. What are the three points of the gospel? Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, was buried, and guess what baptism is? A picture of what Christ did in dying and being buried and rising again. It is a picture just like the Lord's Supper. So, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll finish this up. Our salvation is based only upon what Christ did. End of story. 1 Peter 2.24 1 Peter 2.24. You know, it's fun. Well, I won't go. I'll wait till next week. 1 Peter 2.24. Look at the Bible. The Bible says this. Look at verse 23, telling us about his life and how he responded. It says, who, when he was reviled, when he was yelled at, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But he committed himself unto him that judges righteously. Verse 24. Who his own self... Bear our what? Okay. He carried our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins now, should live unto righteousness. Why? Because his stripes healed us. Water doesn't heal you. Your church doesn't heal you. His being beaten and whipped and put on the cross and left there to die and then being buried and then getting up again. His crucifixion healed us. Anything, baptism only pictures what Jesus did. If anything else that you believe besides what Jesus did on the cross is a gospel that damns. If you dare add anything to the gospel, Galatians chapter 1 comes into effect and says, if somebody adds to the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, they are to be accursed. They are accursed. And you're to walk away from them and they're a heretic. I don't mean they're not human. But the point is, the Bible says they are accursed. Let them be accursed. They're preaching a damning gospel. Last questions. John's baptism was only what kind of baptism? Sorry? It was, but it was only water. That was my point. It's just wet. 
Secondly, true or false, Jesus never baptized with water. True. Excellent. Somebody tell me, what is the gospel? Good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for sinners. He took all of our sin upon himself. Where uh, is it that it describes how God saves sinners? 1 Corinthians 15. Somebody says, what's the gospel? Go take it right there. I have declared unto you the gospel. How that Christ, Christ, Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Anybody remember the five undeniable truths of the gospel? Just name one of them. What are they? Christ died. Undeniable truth of the gospel. Hmm? Was buried, rose again. You get those three. But the Christ was qualified. He's the only one that's qualified to have gone through that for sinners. Uh, and the fact that he di experienced death for every person. So, in that gospel, do you find any baptism? No, but you find baptism picturing the gospel. That's the point. Which is more important, baptism or the gospel? The gospel. And when people get baptized, it is a reflection on the gospel. And that's the point. But to merge them is to take the cross and say, uh, it wasn't good enough. So, salvation is based upon what I do or what Christ did. Only on what Christ did. Now, any questions? And I'll only take a few. Any questions? Marcus. It sure does. It sounds really weird because Noah was not saved by water. And we'll look at that next week if you can wait because it's going to take a little bit more than I can give you time for tonight. We'll actually look at that verse by verse and I'll show you. That the water was the judgment of God. You don't want to try to turn and trust water because it would picture the wrath of God. It's not saving anybody. The ark saved, didn't it? All right, so we're going to look at the use of the words and find out that was a picture of being saved from the wrath of God. And the water, all it did was it kept the ark up. But the water was the judgment of God. Okay, uh, another question, because if you'll give me a chance next week, I will show you First, uh, first Peter chapter 3. And we'll go verse by verse because it's very important. Somebody else got a question. They did it with his permission, yes. What was happening was John um, was preparing for the Messiah, and there were so many, I can only guess, there were so many people getting baptized or whatever, and Jesus had you guys start baptizing. Because the idea, the goal was to get the entire nation, only of Israel, but to get the entire nation ready for the cross. So it was a full-time job. Now John's got help, that's all. But it was still only a baptism of repentance. Oh, yes. Because as we read, these guys who had been baptized by John now needed to get baptized as believers. Okay? Any other questions? If you find a verse about baptism, it belongs in one of those three categories. Was it related to John's baptism? <clears throat> Was it for Jews only? It doesn't apply to us. Is it dealing with, because there's plenty of verses, Romans chapter 6 is all about being baptized into Christ, not getting baptized into water. Galatians chapter 3 talks about being baptized into Christ, not into water. You have to separate them. Water doesn't place you into, into Christ. What does? The Holy Ghost. 
the Holy Spirit. Don't try to let some sinful man put you into Christ. That is so, I can't, I'm trying to be charitable. But to say that somebody like me can put you in Christ by baptizing you is an abomination. No man can put you in Christ. And to say, well, I don't trust a man. You are trusting a man to baptize you into Christ when the Holy Spirit is the only one that can do that. Amen. All right, any other questions? Yes, sir. <clears throat> Right? It was a believer's baptism. And all the new Bibles take out his confession of faith, not his confession of sin, by the way, but his confession of faith. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe he's alive. Boy, and, and that verse is removed. 837. And in all the new Bibles, they go from, can I get baptized? Sure. Whereas, nope, you have to have faith by grace through faith. And you believe that Christ is the, the Savior? Good. Boom. Let's get you baptized after. Baptism never saves. As a matter of fact, I, I, you know, I'm, I've been in these churches where these people think that when they get baptized, that's when they're getting born again. What? Every time in the Bible, I'll show this next week, they believed and then they got baptized. They never believed as they were being baptized. That's a very particular important thing. All right. 